Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. We are back for another episode of Nobody Told Me That. Kevin, what's up? What is up, my friend? It's all good here in beautiful Oklahoma as I see my daughter. So uh, I'm happy. It's all good. Ah, the lovely Julia. The lovely yes, Julia. Please tell you, her we said hello. You, you know how it is when you get to see a kid in college now, you know. You, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm a wreck. I don't want to derail the conversation, but I'm like a wreck <laughs> with Noah being gone. So and I, and I have no fear in saying that because he doesn't listen to this podcast. So <laughs> so he won't know. So I'm, I'm all like, you know, business when he comes home. Like, I love you, honey. No, I don't miss you. I'm so happy that you're out on your own, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. And then when he leaves, I'm like, oh my God. So, <laughs> but, so today we're going to do kind of like a, I, I guess we're going to try to do a quick episode because I was like chopping at the bit to talk about something, which I know is very surprising to you. Yeah, I'm um, curious. I'm here. I'm, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on some of these things we've been chatting about offline. Yeah, so it's not often, so listeners, it's not often that I send up the bat signal to Kevin, like, ooh, we got to talk about something. But I have to be real careful because this is something that I don't want to get sued over, and the topic is Smile Direct Club. So so I'm going to put Smile Direct Club in the show notes and in the title, so I'm sure somebody will search it and listen and hear that I'm talking about them. So I just want to say... To you who's listening, this is my opinion only. I'm not presenting facts. Please don't sue me. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and I say that, I say that because there's a lot of suits going on. I mean, there's the, the FDA, FTC have been involved. The ADA has sued them. They've sued back. Smile Direct Club has sued back. There's now some legislation that just got uh, announced that they're coming after the Smile Direct Club again, which means another suit. So hopefully I'm really small potatoes and there's nothing to worry about. But I am going to try to be as journalistic as possible with but not being a journalist. So again, don't sue me, Smile Direct Club. I'm going to present what I heard. So I just attended this meeting. Um, I go every year to the National Association of Dental Plans. And the dental director of Smile Direct Club was one of the presenters in a breakout session. The topic really was about teledentistry, but because of him and who he is, it really was all about Smile Direct Club. And the audience, I'm the room was packed. I mean, the room was packed. So you have people from different insurance carriers in there. You have people, you have dentists in there. You have people, dentists representing the different associations. And then you have um, some big DSOs were there. My friends from Pacific Dental were sitting right behind me. And then, then there's me representing the providers, you know, in a totally different light. Let me just set the scene. The room was just stacked. I mean, honestly, it, it probably was over full and the fire marshal should have come and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there with my friend, Angela, you know, Angela yeah. from Care Credit. So we're sitting up front and poor Angela, she had to leave to catch a flight halfway through and she was devastated because it was so good. She wanted to stay because this is the kind of talk where we don't get this in dental often where you wish you had popcorn. Right. Like you wish you could put your feet up and just watch the show happen. Right. So, <laughs> OK, so the what they started out with was he was explaining that it is, you know, they are not dentists. So that's first things first, which I was very surprised on this because I thought I had an understanding of how it worked. But apparently I, I was wrong. I think a lot of people in the room were wrong because just talking with my friends afterwards, there was a lot of, oh, I had no idea. I was under the impression that Smile Direct Club employed 
dentists in their centers or pay dentists to do to look at the scans you know so so they would do the scans in the building in the in the pop-ups or whatever and then you know they would pay some dentist to look at it and kind of put a stamp of approval on it that's how i thought it worked so um no oh you know what kevin i should probably back up a little bit because there might be people who have not heard of smile direct club which is you can go to a store they have pop-up shops. They they have stores you can go into. Um, they have offices that actually offer Smile Direct Club, which I'll get into in a second. But it's really consumer-driven ortho. And it's, it's take-home ortho. They send you the aligners at home. And basically, it, the, the rule in dentistry, of course, is do no harm. Yeah. That's medicine, right? So you're really not supposed to do this type of ortho on cases that it's not indicated for. And that really has been the the backbone of all of the lawsuits against it that, you know, how can you assess bone health, overall health, medication, all that kind of stuff without, you know, seeing the patient in person and all of that. So, so just for those of you who are not sure, this is like, think of um, Invisalign, clear, correct, whatever, but in a home setting and with minimal discussion and talks with the dentist, because that's their thing is, you know, it's at home braces. So, and before we go any further, Kevin, do you know anybody who does this or has offered it? I, I don't, to be honest with you. I, you know, I've heard a lot of rumblings about it and grumblings about it. But as far as actual uh, firsthand experience, I haven't. No. How about you? Um, so I've talked to a couple of doctors who have had to fix things. Uh, and definitely if you go online in most of the forums, there will be doctors who post, you know, the, the cases where they'll go, here's a case that came in and they're, do- they're undergoing smile direct and the teeth, if this is correct, the teeth needed a lot more than just braces. Yeah. Like you have a clear mobility because there's not bone height there. I mean, just so, so I guess the, the dental industry is up in arms because we really need to do evaluations and all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's the tradition. And this is more of a limited evaluation and then a big course of treatment. So let's go back to, and I apologize people if I'm hopping around, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to share this with you all. And actually Kevin's used to me hopping around. So he's, it's no big deal to him, but just to let you know, I'm not normally like this, but I'm very, very excited. Right. So, okay. So I was, again, I was under the impression that Smile Direct employed or contracted with dentists with a, with paying them basis. Well, that's, that's actually not how it works. So the owner was very, very clear in letting us know that this is, they operate as a DSO, DSO-ish, meaning that they provide the the service, but it's a they're providing the service to the dentist to provide the service. So they're not doing direct patient care. And the same thing with their pop-ups, like that you can come in and do that, but you are actually working with a dentist that they work with. Now, what surprised the heck out of me is that dentists pay to do this. So there are dentists out there who are actually paying Smile Direct to offer Smile Direct in their offices. Now, what do you think of that? It seems like a little bit of a slippery slope, to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. So no, no, no. go ahead. I want to hear what I want to hear what you got to say. So my thought, first of all, was okay because you know I always try to see both sides. This really isn't any different than Doctor agreeing to lower their fees in return for a steady stream of patients, which we all know is insurance. So is that really any different? It's just in this case, money's actually changing hands. Whereas with PPO arrangements, money is not changing hands. It's vapor money. 
So here's a guy who's coming in and saying that people are paying him to have access to patients. And because it's so popular, they're getting these patients. So what that, what I take that to mean then is let's, let's take the in-office model where say you call Smile Direct Club, there's not a pop-up shop nearby. So they go, well, but Dr. Smith over here offers it. So you go to Dr. Smith's office and it's, it's about a 17 to $1,800 case. So that's how much they charge for their, their ortho, which that's huge, right? You and I both put our kids through ortho. That's yeah, huge. Sure. So a 1700, I would have jumped on that if I were not a dental educated person, if, right? If you didn't know, exactly. Right, right. So, so the doctor, let's think about it from the doctor point of view, you're bringing in a patient, you're still doing an evaluation, you now have the cost to make the appointment, set up the room, you have the labor, everything the costs are the same, right? So to see that patient, the base cost per patient is still there because the patient still is coming in to see you. And then I believe he said, and don't quote me on this, I believe he said Smile Direct takes a percentage of that case and or the doctor just pays a hefty sum to be in the middle of it. The club part comes into play when the, the patient can then order aligners on a regular basis for $99 each. So the aligners at the end are not included with the case. Mm. So that's, that is interesting in itself because first of all, $99 for an aligner, let's be honest, it doesn't cost that much to provide that aligner. The, the teeth are already in place. You're not doing anything jacked up. It's a simple suck down procedure with just thicker plastic. I mean, we've all done, if you're an assistant, and you're in a progressive office, you've done some sort of a liner suck down just to even play around with it. So it, it, it's not $99 is, is really a good price for that. So, you know, apparently they're talking to patients and saying you need to do regular aligners, which that cracks me up because if you're in an aligner and it's maintaining the space, why do you need another aligner unless it's breaking down like that aligner should be there for a long time. So because it's a retainer, it's a retainer aligner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, OK, so we're we're kind of jumping all over the place here. So going back to the doctor who pays to be a part of this, they're still absorbing the cost. But the most important part, and this is what the audience was really this is what really shocked a lot of people and got them very angry, which is when the doctor is the one seeing the patient, whether teledentistry wise or in person, the liability is then assumed by the doctor. Yep. Okay. So the, that's the huge piece that we may know, but I think a lot of people don't realize the, the, the gravity of that. So, so Smile Direct Club is giving you these patients, giving you the means to treat the patients, but the liability is not in any way connected to them. So if you think about it from a pure business model, Kevin, it's not a bad business. It, it's not, but I, I think it goes back to knowing what goes on behind the business that you talked about earlier a little bit. But, but just mm -hmm. looking at it, yeah. just take take feelings out, everything else, business water wise, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, if I'm $1,700, let's break it down. So $1,700, $1,800 cost to the patient. Apparently the visit is a one-time visit, maybe a quick follow-up visit. So in the scheme of things for the doctor, it's not that big. So if you took it overhead costs, you know, all that kind of stuff, you're probably, and I'm assuming whatever piece Smile Direct Clubs if, takes, if any, you're probably going to clear 
maybe eight hundred to a thousand dollars on that. You know, if you look at your your costs and and percentages and all that kind of stuff. So that's still not a bad take home for the doctor. But is that thousand dollars worth the liability? I don't know. So that would be up to the individual doctor. How good is that doctor? Because as a, I'm just going to put my doctor hat on, which we we all know I'm not a doctor. I'm going to put my doctor hat on though, because if I feel very confident in my doctor skills, I would say I'm fine with that because I'm not going to do this to anybody who clearly does not need it. That would be, I guess, to me, that would be the doctor's point of view because, yeah. you know, first do no harm. What I'm more concerned with though is the pop up model. So you go into a store, there is no dentist on premises there. You have people that are happy to help you scan it. You know, you sit there, you take the scan or whatever, and then they have remote dentists who will review the scans, um, review the x-rays and blah, blah, blah. What was brought up, which I was not aware of, is that x-rays are not necessarily required. Oh, that's scary. How on earth? So just for the people who are new to dentistry or maybe don't know, you really can't do this on teeth that are periodontally involved because teeth that have loose perio ligaments will move much faster than others. And there's a there's trauma that can happen when you move teeth too quickly. And you have something called root resorption that can happen because you're basically traumatizing the bone as you drag the tooth through the bone, right? Yeah. That and that's a very basic layman's explanation of what happens during ortho. You're you're dragging teeth through bone. And if it's a good road, it's a non-bumpy road, you're fine. But when you have bumps in the road, you're going to have issues. And that's, that's how I used to explain it to patients. So here's the, here's what, what concerns me is that if you're not looking at x-rays, because, and, and the reason this came up is because somebody spoke up and said, you know, I've had patients or no, this guy went in with his wife. That's what it was. This guy went in with his wife to look at it. And they told her, apparently the salesperson allegedly told her that, um, we don't need x-rays. She was like, do you, know, do you want me to send my x-rays? Oh, no, we don't need x-rays. We just take pictures of the scan. And to me, that is that is not that's not cool to me. No. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. And of course, we have to give the benefit of the doubt to smile direct because this person could just be bashing them. I don't know. You know, we're trying to see it from both sides. The other pushback in the audience was people were raising their hands and saying, okay, so what about, you know, what happens if you get somebody who has work that needs to be done? What, you know, how many times do you guys say no? So that was a good question. So that's the first question. How many times do you guys say no? And then a follow up question that came up later was, what is your failure rate? Mm. So, okay. So, and because he is not liable and because it is a DSO type organization, they're not tracking that. That's a provider tracking. So if a provider has a failed case, their argument is that that's on the provider. So clinically, are they correct? Yes. From a customer service standpoint, I don't think that that works. So because you get people going online and they blame Smile Direct, they're not going to blame the individual doctor. They're going to blame Smile Direct as a whole. So to me, that didn't 
make a lot of sense. But again, I don't know the business inside out like this gentleman obviously does. So I want to take a step back and tell you a little bit about the demeanor of this gentleman. So he was, it started out very, 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 very civil. It was very civil in the audience. He acknowledged right away. You know, I've done this a million times. I know that you guys are going to have questions. I'm ready for all of them. And there was a moment where I was like, wow, this guy, you know, he's going to come and he's going to keep a level head and he's going to answer all of the questions. And by the end of the course, it was starting to unravel. But I'll be I'll be very clear in saying this. It's very obvious he's done this a lot. He's taken fire a lot. He knew the questions. He anticipated them. He dealt with the emotion behind it. So in that way, I thought he was really good with mastering the audience. But at the end, I think it became too much for him. And you could see little bits of, you could see a lot of emotion coming in. It was, it was, again, that's where the popcorn, that's where y'all wanted popcorn. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, well, I, I think it's hard for any of us to truly cut every bit of emotion out of something, especially if you're being bombarded for a certain period of time. Uh, you know, even, mm-hmm. even the most stoic of us will will eventually have uh, some cracks in there and let some emotion come out. So I can I can see where the popcorn happened. Well, and, you know, I I'm, again, I got to give it to him. I mean, so I, I respect the dude for coming. I mean, he really he's coming in the viper's nest. So I respect the dude for doing that. What I respect is he has an overall message that is independent of the company, which is the way we treat patients is changing. And you and I have talked about this on many occasions and we could definitely do more shows on this. I mean, Walmart just opened up their first health center down in Georgia. I've been watching that. I'm actually, I really honestly want to hop a plane, go down and and do some stuff and then come back like a one night, like not even stay a night, just hop down, go see if I can get like a, a, an exam or something like that. And then pop back up because I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated that they're doing this. show that you're getting ready to talk about is what it is. And, and I want to, I want to like ride shotgun on that. So you tell me Mm -hmm. when, you know, for real. So I, I really am. Um, I, and I love, that our industry is changing. You and I, we, yeah. we do industry trends together. We watch this stuff where you and I yeah. constantly text each other about, Ooh, did you see this? Did you see that? Um, because we're geeks, right? So this is pretty much one of the biggest changes that we're going to see in our dentistry lifetime. I mean, the first one was going paperless and the advent of electronic stuff. Now it's the way we talk to patients. And what he, what he was saying, what this gentleman was saying is that Patients want to control their care. I get that. So if you give them the opportunity to take hold of that, then they're going to take it. And we've seen it. Smile Direct Club is popular. Do-it-yourself aligners are popular. And for those of you who are are stock market geeks, uh, what I should tell you, do you know about the stock market? What happened with their their IPO, Kevin? uh, Tell me. I've heard. but uh... Okay. So their IPO came out. It was highly anticipated. I mean, talk of all. I mean, I'm I'm a stock market nerd, so I listen to a lot of podcasts on that. Highly anticipated, very excited. People were ready to dump money into it, and to everyone's surprise, it came out and it tanked. It went down like something like twenty percent on the first day of trading. Which, if you're a financial person, you know that that is highly unusual and not a good sign. So um, they have a lot of money behind them, though. So I think they're going to be okay. But I think the constant litigation is going to be um, a problem for them because that drains so much money, and they're not just going up against you know mom and pop dentists. They're going up against state associations, the ADA themselves. And all of that. So 
uh, and I want to come back to that in a second. Remind me to talk about the legalities on that because that was another like blew my mind thing. So let's go back to patients choosing their their dentistry, which I think is at the core. What I, I think that's what the problem is that I think people are not open to this because if you look at dentistry, we've always been slow to change. Dentists are just now getting used to the fact that ratings, rankings matter more than their patient dentist connection which is sad. I don't like telling you that, but we all know that that's true. And there's, it's a big shift in patient acquisition, patient relationships and blah, blah, blah. So I, I understand where these dentists were coming from. So you had a lot of questions on, you know, how often do you see them and, and what, how do you track the, the failure rates and all of that? And what was interesting to me about the failure rates, Kevin, is that yes, they don't track it because that's not their liability. And he was actually a little bold about this. He said, he actually said, why would we? And that I think is where I started to go. There's a little something here because take dentistry out of it completely. When financial institutions invest so much money into you, I mean, they had a lot of funds coming in, investor funds coming into them. One of the metrics that you always track is the success of your product. And so for him to not track that, I found that to be a very big flaw in their business model. And again, my opinion not fact. So <laughs> don't sue me. I'm going to say it over and over again. Don't sue me. Smile Direct Club. I just think that that's very odd for somebody who's backed by so much money to not track that. So are they tracking only success in sales? They're not tracking because you track retention, you track um, defections, you track, you track that in a, if you're selling a product, that's what you track. And to me, this is a product. I think you have to track that. So I, I found that odd. What do you think of that? Well, I, I do too. And I think that that, again, is, if, if I'm a dentist, that, that, that peaks my ears a little bit, just because, again, if they're not tracking it, that means that the, the, the blame is going to go somewhere if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm a dentist, that really peaks up my ears going, okay, if they're not tracking it, A, how do I know? And B, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's really important uh, that the dentists take, sorry about that, the dentists take a, a little bit of a step back and they really look at, there's got to be a reason why, you know, it's, that's not just happenstance that they don't track it. So my, that's my two cents on it, at least. It, it doesn't hold water to me. And this guy is a very accomplished guy. He started businesses. He's a former, uh, I believe, dental director for an insurance company for years. So He's been in the industry a lot and for to ignore a key metric like success failure is very, very strange to me. So, you know, uh, kind of had a little bit of an, an eye, you know, eyebrow raise there. And and just to also set the tone in the room, you know, a couple of times I would look back and, you know, the, the guys from Pacific Dental were we were just kind of like, you know how you meet eyes with people in a, in a room and you're just like, holy shit, like, the, <laughs> like you can actually hear that. Yeah. going across the room, right? And my friend from the uh, American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, she was also in the room and she was very quiet. She doesn't speak a lot because I think she was just observing. But we also had that, what what the hell are we listening to type eye contact. So he. So let's go back to the legalities for a second. And I apologize, people. I know I'm hopping all over, but 
I'm afraid I'll lose it if I don't. So the legalities piece. So and what I mean by that is lawsuits. So apparently the ADA filed a lawsuit against them. And he was so this is coming from him. And I'm paraphrasing. He said that the ADA actually lost their lawsuit, but you're not going to hear about that. And, And he's right. I actually heard that they filed suit, but I heard nothing about the outcome of the suit. So he's right about that. I did not hear that. And I was surprised that I had not heard that. So, so he said, and what they don't want to tell you is that they had like the FDA, the FTC actually sided with Smile Direct Club. They're not breaking any of the Mm -hmm. alleged rules that ADA put forward. So then apparently there's a, I think it was either Florida or Georgia. I, and I, I apologize. I can't remember, but a state South of us had sued as well. And the, he said that they actually had amicus briefs, which are friend of the court briefs written by the FDA and the FTC in support of Smile Direct Club in this lawsuit. So you have federal uh, regulations supporting the, not supporting, but I guess saying that this is not breaking any laws. So what that tells me is that if you get the regulators on board, I mean, we all know that's half the battle, right? So the regulators are on board and have no issue with them. So I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're going anywhere. But (laughs) the constant cost of fighting off lawsuits is huge. So um, I I don't know how much venture capitalists will want to keep pouring money into something that is just draining money on the litigious side. So let's talk a little bit about the competition. So I was under the impression that there was Smile Direct Club and I've heard of like one or two others that are kind of coming up behind Smile Direct Club. Same, you know, premise, whatever. Uh, Same business model. What I did not know is that there are at least eight competitors who are making money because Smile Direct Club is starting to get a bad reputation online. The social media is not working for them, which interestingly enough, Smile Direct Club's um, dude was saying that their social media gathering or, or following is huge, and that's what's pro- what's pushing their sales. So you know, as we know, there can be a backlash. Pendulums tend to swing in both directions, and so we have competitors coming up, taking market share from them, nibbling, nibbling at market shares from them. But when you're first to market, Kevin, what happens? You're the you're the target. Oh, sure you're you the big target. Absolutely. So and so they and I spoke with um, representatives from one of the companies, and there were about two or three companies that were present at this meeting, and they were like, "Yeah, let him let him do it." You know, he's advertising, he's doing great. We're we're doing fine just behind them, and they're not worried about taking down Smile Direct Club. And I find that interesting because the only answer is that there's enough money for them to make all around if they're not worried about taking out the top dog. And they are making money. They're saying it's a huge revenue stream for them already. Crazy. It is. There's that many people wanting ortho, but reluctant to go to a dentist. That to me is crazy. Uh, you know, I I still think, and, and you know, I've talked about this, I still think we have a huge problem in the dental industry whenever it comes to educating patients on a number of levels. And this is another one of those that there's so much fear of cost, fear of pain, fear of just walking into that practice that people are willing to go into a pop-up shop or do other things just to avoid that. Well, and and uh, our friend Marco, and I, yeah. I apologize to Marco, I can never say, what is it, Voicek? Voicek? Is that Marco it? Marco V. Mark, 
So let's just go with Marco V. So he's the the head economist at the ADA, the Health Policy Institute. He also spoke at this meeting and he put up one slide that said um, the top reason patients don't go to the dentist. And like the top three were all about finances. Um, So, yeah. So education about cost, education about, you know, health benefits. But what I find interesting is Smile Direct Club is leading with focusing on cost. That's what they're focusing on. So is that the new normal? And the medical industry is being pressured more and more to do price transparency. Will we do price transparency in dentistry? Well, you know, it's like it's like you and I have talked as well. You know, I, I moved to Colorado five years ago. And to this day, I still get those coupons in the mail for $59 x-rays or fleet free cleanings or whatever it might be. They don't talk about their Google reviews. They don't talk about their technology. They talk about here's how much it's going to cost you to come into our practice. And and I think it's really interesting that we try to attract new patients with cost, uh, especially in new areas like that. And so it, it doesn't surprise me. The companies are starting to come out and say, here, you want you want this it's here's how much it's going to cost you and i think patients perk up their ears to that it's so it's funny here is we have uh, we used to put in our marketing and you've been involved in the print side you were editor dental economics and and all sorts of positions so you've seen the ads change over the years do you remember when dentists used to advertise state of the art oh of course you use the term state of the art and you can't do that because a year later you're not at the state of the art you just bought last year's model Right. Yeah. And this is one thing, you know, whenever I talk about your mission statements and everything else, whenever you and I are out there speaking is that if you say you use the latest advances, you use high tech, you know, you use these things, then you better be living up to that. And that means staying on top of if a new technology comes out there, are you actually looking at it? Are you waiting five years, you know, to see if it really passes the test of time? So I think you set yourself up. If you're using that in your marketing or in your mission statement, either one. And and that's so digital x-rays is not state of the art anymore. That's expected. Well, I mean, if I went in and, and yeah. they weren't using digital x-rays, I would run. But, but you know, the scary part is, again, I don't know that the vast majority of American public would know that. That's true. And, and, that's and, absolutely and that's true. That's the thing that, you know, whenever I just talk to people, you know, I'm getting ready to go back for a high school reunion here shortly. And so many people are like, how did you get into dentistry? You know, and it's a, the whole story. But there are so many of them that ask me questions and I just shake my head going, oh, dear God. You know, it reminds Mm. me about how much you don't know if you don't know. Well, I mean, my mom has a ton of work that needs to be done because she grinds like crazy. I mean, just her oral health is impeccable, but she grinds like crazy. So there's all sorts of problems. And I cannot get it through her head that if she chips a crown, you can't just super glue the edge of the crown back onto the crown. And I mean, this is like 20 plus years I've been in the dental industry trying to explain this. So it is, it is, it's something they're not used to. It's very strange to them. And I get it because like that, this is like computer coding to me. You know, my husband is teaching himself Python and all sorts of languages. I have no idea. And he's like, yeah, I just went and I have a, I published some code and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So you you know what I mean? Like you just don't know. So you don't, I, I agree. Now, so, okay, so let me, let me see. Let, what did I, what did I mm, see? This is what happens. I get so excited. Um, <laughs> you are, I can hear in your voice. I, because I, this is the stuff that when an industry changes like we do so quickly, because our industry didn't right. change for so long. 
It was the same stuff for so long. And now everything's moving at such a fast pace. And patient acquisition is now a whole new ball game. It's And honestly, the weaves, the solution reach, the revenue yeah. wells, those are good for patient retention. But patient acquisition is a whole new ball game. And to your point about advertising nothing but price on the promos, if I think about that too, when a new dentist moves in the area, it's not about we've got CBCT, we do implants. It's all about the first day cost and they get it. So um, I think as an industry, we're moving towards price transparency, which is they're going to be kicking and screaming. I mean, I can just think of it now. They're going to be kicking and screaming about that. But if medicine goes that way and they will, they're they're absolutely going to have to be transparent about prices. We're always a couple years behind. Ooh. What are we going to do now? Oh, it's it's coming. I mean, I, I, I'm i a firm believer that by the time 2025 gets here, and let's be honest, that's really not that far away. No. This is going to be a completely different industry on a lot of levels. And I think the uh, direct smile clubs and things like this that are coming in and shaking up the model a little bit. Everybody goes, oh, hair on fire type of stuff. These are the type of things that you've got to be prepared for moving forward that more and more outside forces are going to come in. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to throw something out there that is that was also present at this meeting. There are, of course, virtual dentistry. There's mobile dentistry. So in the past, mobile, mobile dentistry has been around forever, right? Yeah. You, you load up a van, you go see underserved people, and that's how you, you do your mobile dentistry. But mobile dentistry is different now. So instead of, and, and honestly, if I were a dentist, I would be all over this. So, but again, I'm not a dentist. If you do this, I'm happy to consult with you to guide you. But what I believe is going to happen is we're going to see mobile dentistry be a different ball of wax. If I were a dentist and I were looking to either purchase space or fit out a mobile dentistry unit, I would go with a mobile dentistry unit in a heartbeat because what, what some of the, what some of the, the, companies that were there are saying is that there are co- there are big companies reaching out to them looking for providers that can come and work on premises now not full dentistry although if you tricked out your airstream enough you could do full dentistry but they're talking about checkups they're talking about you know the regular the, the comprehensive evaluations the new um, evaluations for let's think about this way you have people who drive trucks trains and all that kind of stuff there's law, especially in New York City, in New York, I know they do this. You have to take a sleep test in order to operate a train or a bus That's true. because of the sleep apnea issue. So yep. what if you just pulled on up to the New York Department of Transportation and just did evaluation after evaluation after evaluation, and then you drove your happy dental truck back home? Uh, why not? So to me, setting up a mobile dentistry trailer, van, Airstream, whatever, much cheaper than building out a space. You really need one to two employees with you. If you, if I were going to build a satellite office, that's what I would do. I honestly, that's what I would do. And, and it makes sense, you know, especially with the way that our demographics here in America are changing. We're getting older, everything else. It's going to be more about where can you go with your services rather than who can come in to, to get your services. Uh, you know, right. I think that's a really important thing to, to think about as well. I have a very good friend that that gave me this piece of advice years ago and a couple years ago. And and it stuck with me because he's absolutely right. You have to meet people where they are. Yeah. You have to meet them where they are yeah. in all things, relationships, you know, business relationships, whatever. You have to meet them where they are. And people are not 
clamoring to go to our office unless we're located next to a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. Well, it's just not going to happen. You know, and, and again, you, and you and I have talked about this all, on and offline about dental meetings and how they're changing and how we're needing to go to them rather than sitting there in mm-hmm. Chicago or New York or Boston and say, here we are. Come on. You know, I, I, yeah. it's changing. And and I am uh, I'm shocked. I was just talking to somebody who was representing at a meeting and it was a state meeting and they did not offer CE and they wondered why nobody came what? to the meeting. You're a state. Yes, we'll have to talk about it offline. But there, what state association is not going to go through the trouble of having CE for these classes and wonder why? No one's coming to the classes. So, and, and you and I could talk a whole bunch on on the different meetings and what oh, we're yeah. seeing. But you're right; the trend is people are reaching out to me, to you, to both of us at the same time to come to them rather than wait for us to make it to the state yeah, meeting. And it's good for us; we're happy about that. But as a whole, if you're the ADA state association and you're trying to retain membership, your big meeting is a huge part of that. So, but honestly, cut out the big meeting and have two little meetings. Just, you know, just two little meetings. They don't have to be big ones. The the sponsors would rather come to a meeting where they're going to have more involvement rather than sitting in a big space that the dentists don't even visit. And, you know, my, and again, this is a whole other podcast, but my personal belief is that the reason the dental meetings are crumbling overall is that the state meetings are crumbling. The local meetings are crumbling. And when the, there's no foundation underneath, the national meetings aren't going to do as well because if people can't go, for example, here in Oklahoma, where I am right now, if people can't go to Oklahoma City or Tulsa to get their education, they're not going to go to New Orleans or San Francisco or Orlando. And, you know, so, so I think the ADA mm-hmm. needs to be investing more in the state associations and boosting them up and their meetings before they're going to see anything happen with these traveling roadshows. Well, and I got to tell you, if I get invited back to San Francisco, I, it's got to be worth my while because it's so expensive. And I don't, did I tell you this? I got spit at. You did tell me that. It's crazy. Did, yeah. 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 So I'm stand, So for my listeners who are like, wow, is San Francisco as bad as it sounds? Yes, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's a scary walk to and from, but I will say the police had the area around the convention center locked down because, you know, it's tourism, but a homeless dude walking by, he's talking to himself. He's singing to himself. I'm standing there next to two doctors who we're both waiting for our lifts to come. So if someone is crazy and walking down the street and singing, I'm going to watch him the whole way because, uh, you know, I'm not about sudden movements and getting hit when I'm not looking, you know, you know what That's I mean? Right. So, and it's a girl I'm, I'm on the road all the time by myself. My, I'm just constantly in hyper aware mode anyways. So I'm watching this guy, he's walking by and he gets past us and then he turns around obviously because he knows we're watching him and he gets all like, what do you want? And all these expletives came out. What do you want? And then he spit at us. And I was like, wow, you know, in all my years of traveling, I have yet to ever been spit at. And that was something I am not looking to no, do I think again. I'm done on that one for sure. You know, I, I, yeah. I mean, that's just, it's, it's not even a bucket list thing. Right. So, um, <laughs> so, so San Francisco used to be a beautiful city. Used to look forward to it. Had a fun time in Chinatown with Susan Gunn, but I am, I'm not chomping at the bit to go back. And, and honestly, the, it's so expensive, it Kevin. Well, it's so and, expensive. You know, I, you and I have talked about Seattle is, is not far behind uh, on a lot of the as well. And and that's, again, a whole other podcast. But I I think that we've got to do something as an industry 
to change what's going on with the meetings. And going back to where we started this whole conversation with, again, somebody coming in with a new idea, somebody coming in to shake things up a little mm-hmm. bit, and everybody going, oh, and hair on fire. you know. I, and I think that we've really got to look at, there is some value in new ideas coming in from outside sources, but we've always got to make sure that that sure. do no harm stays above the money and everything else. You know, and it's funny because you, you kind of are wrapping it up in a bow for me with that last comment, because what this dude's overarching message was that he really just kept coming back to towards the end when you could see he was getting frustrated was people, things are changing. I'm just the first yeah. in a long line of things mm-hmm. that are going to change. We need to start thinking about, you know, patient comfort. And I'm pra- paraphrasing here, but I think, I don't think I'm not capturing the spirit. We need to think about patient comfort. We need to think about convenience. That's what the patients are thinking of. They're not trying to drag their butts into our office unless there's a really good reason for it. I mean, I, I get what he's saying. And I think a lot of people in that room needed to hear it. I think a lot of what he had to say was, questionable, but I got to say it's 50, 50. I think a lot of what he had to say made a lot of sense. I don't, doesn't mean I agree with it. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it made sense to him. And we're the establishment at this point. So if it makes sense to him, it's going to make sense to people who are, like you said, not really up on what's going on in dentistry. So the ultimate goal is to treat patients in oral health, right? If the patient doesn't understand that this actually may not be contributing to their oral health, we're never going to be able to get a chance to educate them. And that's what we need to think about is how do we educate them about this? So so just in case you all are wondering what's going on with Smile Direct Club, you can search SDC and Smile Direct on Instagram. A lot of the dental groups, you know, they post pictures. I don't want to name the dental groups here because I don't want anybody to get sued. Um, But there's a lot of dental groups out there that post pictures of like, would you treat this patient? Here's another Smile Direct Club um, disaster. I mean, there's a lot of that going on online. And and, oh, oh, see, again, I'm, I'm hopping all over. There are times when I've had calls from office managers saying, what's going on with this? We have patients call or we have insurance carriers calling, wanting to know if we've seen this patient. We don't have them. They're not a patient of record. What's happening out there is there's a black market where people are sharing provider identification numbers because they want their insurance to cover it. And, and, and that's, that's the only way, the, I'm sorry. I said, that's a big, scary thing right there. That's very scary. But I, you know, a couple first page of Smile Direct Club MPI number and you get people, there's a big blog post where people are sharing Smile Direct Club provider identification numbers. So what's happening, and this is where my insurance coordinators will understand this, patients want to take advantage of their ortho benefits. And this technically is not, a lot of carriers have not moved to exclude this yet. So technically it's ortho. If you have a procedure code, if you have an NPI number and it's a legit, you know, document, you're going to submit it to get benefits and patients are paying for these benefits. So if they get denied, then they're getting really mad. So there's a lot of carriers who are investigating this and seeing tons of fraud or alleged fraud. But there are carriers like Aetna and United Healthcare who are partnering with Smile Direct Club to provide benefits. So let's break it down for numbers really quick. And I don't want to go too long, too much longer, but break it down. If you're an insurance carrier and you have to pay 50% of ortho, 50% of 1700 is a lot better than 50% of 4500 So sure. from a carrier's point of view, this is a good thing for them. And and the more, and when I, last year when this came up, everybody was anti-Smile Direct Club. This year, I talked to a couple carriers that were like, you know, it's really not that bad, that big of a deal money-wise. Now, ethically, they all had a problem, but money-wise, 
This actually makes sense for carriers. So uh, doctors need to think about that because you're contracting with dentist with carriers who, you know, are also working with direct to consumer models that could be impacting your ability to get ortho patients. So lots of changes there, yeah. Kevin. And and again, changes that I think we've all got to be aware of, not be afraid of, look at on a very logical level and say what parts of these can mm-hmm. I actually learn to make myself or my business better? That's And that's what uh, you've heard me speak on insurance a million times. I always say yeah, you've got to take the emotion out of it because if you think emotionally, you're going to, you're just, you're not going to make a good decision. So take all this, oh, Smile Direct Club sucks. Take that all out and just look at it from a patient's point of view, because ultimately it's the patient that's going to decide who they're going to see, not you. So look at it from a patient's point of view and then go at it from a different angle. Does it mean you take out, you know, maybe you write an op-ed on for your local paper or you get interviewed or you do outreach marketing to, you know, to say, this is why we like traditional orthodontics. Is that what you do? If you do that though, I will warn you, you need to make sure that you're doing, you're not saying anything disparaging right. against Smile Direct Club because there are individual doctors who have been sued. So please be careful about that. I've heard. So be, be careful of that. But is this, does this mean more patient education? At the end of the day, it's always patient education. Sure. Always. It should be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. So I, it's a, it's, it's an interesting, it was an interesting course. I, I love the nerdy insurance conferences because this is the point of view that we don't typically get from, you know, the state associations and all of that. And when I saw this, I actually, Angela and I went early to the meeting because we knew it was going to be packed. Um, and it was, and, uh, when I, when I look around the room, there's a lot of, oh my God, is this guy serious? But there are also a lot of people going, you know, this is the new yeah. thing. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. For yourself, Kevin, have you done ortho? Uh, you know, I did actually a six month smile. So, yeah. Ah, so I did okay. not do traditional when I was young. It was not something my parents thought was necessary. And I didn't growing up, but I did six month smiles. And, you know, I, I just needed the minor orthodontic movement. But I can tell you that I was very comfortable. And again, me being in the dental industry, this probably won't shock anybody, but I was very comfortable knowing that I was going into a practice that I already knew that was the provider Mm -hmm. that would be there with me every step of the way. And to me, that was very important. So, you know, two cents there. Had you not known the provider, then your only metric to measure is cost and and convenience. And time. Because six months smile, let's not forget that's, you know, it's in their name. Uh, you know, and, and again, right. I'm a huge proponent of theirs because I know what they've done for me. But I can tell you again, yeah, you're right. Cost. How long is this going to take? How, how is this going to affect my life? Those are the things that people want to know. Right. And I, I think as a provider, when I'm looking at my website copy, I need to see how to change all that around to reflect that because most website website copy, if you look at it, it's all about the doctor. It's all about the team. It's all about the technology. We need to take a page from regular business and make it about the customer, the consumer. Change it all up. Take a look at it. Do different stuff. You know, that is my my spiel on Smile Direct Club. Um, I hope it opened some eyes for people, if anything, so that you're aware of what's coming and what your patients are seeing. I don't, you know, I'm in the DC area. I'm sure there's Smile Direct pop-ups around me. I just need to, you know, actually leave my house and go to them. (laughs) 
That's the worst part right there. Come on. Oh my God. It's awful. When you work from home, like the biggest traffic I have is Griffin and Odie. And you know, when you go out on the road, you're like, Oh, this sucks. Why am I doing this again? (laughs) So I, I do have to leave the house at some point. So, um, so Kevin, anything else before we wrap up? Fascinating stuff. I'm always glad whenever you go into these meetings that a lot of us can't attend, whether it's insurance or something like this and you come back to reports. So, uh, I've, I've enjoyed listening to it, honestly. Well, and I think next time we have to do a conversation, we have to have a conversation about Walmart and the health centers that are popping up and, and also teledentistry. You know, Brian Laskin has a great product, yeah. Opera DDS, where, you know, you can do the virtual stuff, but also, you know, there's a lot of conversation there. And I, I'm exploring more and more of that product. And it's just, and, and he's just one of many. This talking to your patients differently is, I think, where we're going to be in a little yep. bit. And we really need to focus on that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I know, I know some people are like, Teresa, how can you be excited? This is going to screw everything. I, I, I think there's opportunity always, and we just need to see the, the bright side of it. Right. So like there's yep. my glass half full. There it is, Kevin. <laughs> I like it. You know what? I, the half full is always a good thing. I, I believe. And uh, well done. Well, because the alternative is just really sucky, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, to everybody who hung in there for my 50 minutes of very excitable talking and speed talking, I appreciate it. If you like the podcast, please uh, rank us. We'd love to, or rate us. We'd love to hear um, what you have to say. And I always appreciate every every star that you give me. And tell your friends. I mean, if this Smile Direct Club, if you have somebody who needs to hear this, a doctor, a coworker, manager, pass this on because uh, I was super excited to bring it to you. So on behalf of of Kevin Henry, my constant co-host, we will see you on the next episode. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that. 